1: You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. What time is the grilled cheese truck coming? I think at like four. Oh my God, I'm so excited. They have gluten-free bread. I have been dreaming about this for weeks. And welcome to
0: Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz.
1: That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles.
0: In this episode, we'll answer a question from the mailroom about breaking into the biz after 40. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Then we'll discuss November, our gratitude month. And this week's Hollywood Hack is all about showing sympathy when it's needed. And finally, our assistant Mary shares her super cool celebrity sighting on the Disney lot.
1: It's a big one. But first, Sarah, we have an update. In episode 76, we shared a great interviewing Hollywood hack, um, courtesy of our friend Michelle. Always have a man in the room. And the idea is that you want to make sure whoever you're interviewing looks at you not just the man when you're interviewing. And you can only tell that if you actually have a man in the room. If it's just you, they have no choice but to look at you. Right. Um, so we got a lot of response to this, a couple we wanted to share. Uh, uh, Christy sent an email saying, I have never written in before until I heard you always have a man in the room. This is more than true for just interviews. Every woman should do this with a doctor or pediatrician. I made sure my husband came to me in the pediatrician interviews when we first had our son, knowing I would be the person bringing him to all the well-child and sick visits. I wanted to see if the pediatrician would listen to me even if my husband wasn't there. Needless to say, we switched pediatricians. I have now learned to do that with all my doctors as well. It is a shame that we have to do this, but I would rather know up front what I am dealing with rather than deal with someone who isn't going to listen to me because I am not a man. Wow. It's a good point. That was a
0: really smart thing to do. Yeah. Of course, it sends me into, like, spasms of, oh, God, I'm not married. I can't, like, bring <laughs> a man to doctor's appointments. <laughs> True. Because I do think that would be incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah, well, there's so much written about how doctors don't acknowledge women's pain. Mm-hmm. They don't take it seriously. They think it's all in their head or they're being... um Uh, Hysterical. Hysterical. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) And you could imagine that they might also not take what you say about your kids seriously. Yeah. Now, your doctor is very progressive. It's hard for me to imagine your pediatrician doing that. A hundred percent agree. Violet's pediatrician is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And we should point out, I'm sure this is true for women doctors as well. It can be, not just yeah. male.
0: But I will definitely take this into account the next time I'm going to the doctor to see, like to really, since I'm not there with a man, to really gauge how that person is treating me. Yes. And whether they're really listening or not. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, and we also got an email from Laura Who wrote, wow, I can totally relate to this Hollywood hack. Always have a man in the room. I am a woman who knows a lot of guy things, particularly car stuff. My mom will call and ask me a question about her car and I will answer and she will argue my answer like she knows what is wrong. Then she will call my husband and ask the same question like it's a new problem and believe him right away. So I have learned to just say, hold on, and then answer with, oh, Bill says it's this problem. And she will say, "Okay, thanks. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, well,
1: it's the world we live in. It
0: is. What do you do when, like, the person, you know, who you're closest to only believes the man? That's a good Uh, solution.
1: It is. It's tough, but, um, you know, we are evolving. It's just slower than we'd like. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Sarah, it is time for the mail room in which we answer a listener question about the entertainment business. And this one comes from Anastasia, she says. I have worked in various departments of production since graduating from film school in 2005, the year my son was born, in upstate New York. It has been my goal to move to L.A. and write that entire time, but I could never make it work. My best friend from childhood, however, moved to L.A. 10 years ago, and that has allowed me to visit often. She also has a daughter named Violet, and Yay. we write together. I love it. Recently, my own daughter started as a freshman at FITM, which for anyone who doesn't know is Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And it seems the stars are finally aligning for me to make an actual move and get my writing career started at 40— What advice can you give me? In some ways, it terrifies me to start at the bottom again, but in others, I know this is the best possible time. I was so unsure of myself and my talents at 20. Now I feel like I can do anything I set my mind to. I'm so much more comfortable in my own skin and with my children, 13 and 17, being more independent, I feel like I can really focus on work. Okay, well, this is a fantastic question. Um, We've gotten this question before just in our lives as we travel around. Um, I can't lie. It would be very difficult to start a writing career after 40. It's difficult
0: to start a writing career at any any age. Um, And yeah, when we read this question, Liz was like, oh, and then (laughs) we should answer this. Yes. Um, But it's a hard answer because it's there's just no world in which in which it's not extremely difficult.
1: Yeah. And of course, everyone's different. So just because 100 people wouldn't have success trying to start a writing career after 40 doesn't mean you won't be insanely successful. It's also what's your definition of success? Are you saying you want to only be a writer and, you know, rise to the top and write huge blockbuster movies? Are Are you planning
0: to be Greg Berlanti or Shonda
1: Rhimes? Right. Or are you saying you want to, you know, be able to write web series? You know what I mean? It's just there's such a range. Um, But I would just caution her that, like, the route that we often talk about, which is coming out here, being an assistant, sort of getting to know people that way and then getting into the writer's room, that's very hard to do after 40, um, I think.
0: I think it's very hard to do. I mean, at what age does that start being a difficult transition, do you think?
1: Um, early 30s. Yeah, probably. So part of it is, do you look 40? Mm-hmm. If you look 30... You can, no one needs to know you're 40. Right. Okay. Um, you had your kids very, very <laughs> yes. young. Because part of the issue, and this is, it's not right, but I just think it's human nature. This is just what we observe is people don't like a 40-year-old getting their lunch. They right. feel like it's it feels uncomfortable. Right.
0: It's easier for me to ask Mary to get me a LaCroix from the kitchen yes. than it would be for
1: me to ask Mary's mom. Mary's mom. <laughs> Yes. You know, right. I mean, it's just a thing. But, you know, she's not asking us why she shouldn't come out to L.A. and be a writer. <laughs> she's asking us what advice we have. Yes. So what advice do we have?
0: Well, first of all, I think the most important advice we could give her is to ignore every negative thing we're saying.
1: Yes. Okay. Um,
0: both be aware of it and also ignore it mm-hmm. because every circumstance is different and every individual is different. Absolutely. Um, and then... I would say to look at other paths, maybe than the assistant path. Right. There are a lot of programs that you can uh, enter.
1: Yeah. Contests. Yes. Also,
0: programs and contests. Yes. All the different networks have programs. There are oodles and oodles of contests, like ways to just get your name out there, to get some credibility as a writer that can help you get an agent and then find an agent. And this is so much easier said than done, but find an agent who really believes you and who will really push you. Like, I know that our agent, Matt Solo, who we've talked to on the podcast, um, he will sign clients sometimes. This is not uh, telling you to call Matt because he'll get (laughs) pissed at us, but... um, he was on clients, and I'm sure any agent will, who he just really believes in. Yeah. And he doesn't really care how old they are. I mean, That's he cares, true. but he will sign you anyway if he Absolutely. really believes in you. And he and he's called us and said, I have this client. They have a different path into the entertainment industry, but they have this experience, and this is why they're awesome, and this is why I believe in them. So if you can find that kind of
1: agent, mm-hmm.
0: I to mean, our manager, it's maybe. possible,
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, which brings up the most important point, Sarah. The number one way to become a writer after 40 is to have undeniably amazing material. Yes, The one thing that will always break through is great material because the truth is a lot of mediocre writers become successful in Hollywood, right? That is true. Um, (laughs) But if you are a truly great writer, if you have material that anyone is going to read and on page 1, page 1. They're going to say, "This person can write. I believe you will work." Yeah. And I don't care if you're 85. I mean, everyone is looking for great writing. It's not easy to be a great writer. I mean, right. we struggle with our writing every single day. Yes. <laughs> Sadly
0: true. <laughs> and we've been doing this for 20 oh, years
1: almost. Yikes. I guess, actually, 20 years now that you mention it. <laughs> Oy! <laughs> now, the other thing, and we've talked about this before. I mean, we even mentioned it with, you know, be a good conversationalist on the podcast last week. Mm-hmm. Meet people. Yeah. Meet as many people in the business as you can, um, preferably on the writing side. Executives are so important to meet. Development executives can push you through. They can introduce you to the right people. If a development executive believes in you, that can make a huge difference. Yes, we had an executive
0: very early in our career named Nicole Norwood, who got us on our first primetime show and totally changed our career. Yeah,
1: she sat down with us and just said, I'm making it my business to get you on a show. And she did. It was Kevin Williamson's uh, show called Glory Days. Only went nine episodes but it changed our lives yep. dramatically.
0: And we will always remember Nicole Norwood for Yes. That. And she works yes. at ABC, so we still see her. Yes, which is nice. And then, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Jenna Fisher's book. Yes. Which is for actors, but has advice that is 100% applicable to writers. Um, so get it, read it and follow every single thing she says.
1: Especially one of her big pieces of advice is do it yourself. Yeah. And like I mentioned a web series, you know, production is cheap enough now that like you and your friend could write a web series and potentially produce a web series, something simple that you put up that people could find. And it gives you the experience, even if it doesn't ultimately lead to your dream job. You have the experience of writing, of making stuff, of doing the job so that every step you take, you're that much more prepared.
0: And I will say, um, I would suggest you join our Facebook group Yes, um, because there are several people in our Facebook group who are doing this, who are making their own web series, who are producing their own movies. Even
1: who've recently moved to L.A. and should you move out here, very well might want to connect and network and help each other.
0: Yes, absolutely. So I would join up and see who you can connect with on our Facebook group. And good luck. Good luck, Anastasia. Coming up, we'll talk about Gratitude Month, but first, a word from our sponsor. the cost of maintaining multiple systems and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into
1: one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com hollywood netsuite.com slash hollywood netsuite.com slash hollywood Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's gratitude. Mm -hmm. October was hell month, which we discussed at length. um, And we talked about it, especially in episode 76, if anybody wants to go back and listen to us complain about our hell month. (laughs) Uh, But November, however, is gratitude month. Obviously, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. So we're thinking about all the things we're grateful for, even though we just experienced one of the most hellish months of the year. Yeah. And we
0: read this great New York Times article called Choose to be Grateful. It will make you happier. And of course, we support anything that makes you happier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So here's just a little bit from the article. A 2014 article in the journal Social, Cognitive, and Effective Neuroscience identified a variation in a gene, CD38, associated with gratitude. Some people simply have a heightened genetic tendency to experience, in the researcher's words, global relationship satisfaction, perceived partner responsiveness, and positive emotions, particularly love. That is, those relentlessly positive people you know who seem
1: grateful all the time may simply be mutants. But we are more than slaves to our feelings, circumstances, and genes. Evidence suggests that we can actively choose to practice gratitude and that doing so raises our happiness. For example, researchers in one 2003 study randomly assigned one group of study participants to keep a short weekly list of the things they were grateful for, while other groups listed hassles or neutral events. Ten weeks later, the first group enjoyed significantly greater life satisfaction than the others. Other studies have shown the same pattern and lead to the same conclusion. If you want a truly happy holiday, choose to keep the thanks in Thanksgiving, whether you feel like it or not.
0: Well, that last sentence certainly rings uh, powerfully with me this year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, Sarah, I mean, you've experienced a lot of loss this year. You lost your dad and your mom all within about seven months. Six. Six months. Um, Yeah. And how does that impact your ability to feel gratitude? Well, it
0: definitely, uh, I would say it definitely impacts it. Uh, On the one hand... I feel like I do have a lot. Of course, I mean, geez, look at our lives right yeah. now. We have a lot to be grateful for. Yes, we do. We have a show that's coming out on ABC. That, just to wax on about the gratitude part for a while before I get to the depressing part. Um Like we love, it's not even like we're just like making a show that's whatever. Like we really love it. We're excited about it. We're proud of it. We love the people we work with. Yes, We have
1: an amazing team and and we we feel like this is our favorite project we've ever worked on.
0: Yeah. Like we just uh, one small (laughs) example, there's a scene where we go into someone's office um and the production design team mm. did something so fantastic in this yeah. office that it literally, like, made us tearful. Like, it's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, the people we're working with are just phenomenal, and it's so fun to work with them and know, like, that we can rely on them and that they're really going to deliver.
1: Yeah, and that everyone is very supportive, and there's no backstabbing um manipulating
0: going on which can
1: happen in hollywood oh my
0: god it happens all the time i mean all the time and we have none of that yeah really none of it and it's phenomenal
1: yeah so we're very grateful for everything in our work lives As, as much as we have you know sort of talked about the stress and the pressure it has been the best experience of our career
0: yeah that is definitely true Um, And we hope
1: you watch it in the spring on ABC. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Or in
0: January or in February. We really don't know. Whenever it appears, we will be sure to inform you. Um, But, yeah, on a personal level, I feel like I've just been beaten up nonstop for six months. Um, And it's brutal. Yeah, Um, And I think part of it is... I'm going to totally get through this without tearing up. That's a lie. Um, Part of it is that because we've been so busy with work, I sort of had just like folded up and put it in a drawer and put it away. Yeah. And now that things are slowing down, Mm. it's all starting to descend. Yes.
1: Um, Yes. You haven't had time to yeah, process exactly at all, as I can say, because I've been watching it
0: <laughs> every single day. Yeah, so it's all just been kind of sitting in this drawer, and now I feel the drawer kind of opening. Um, and it's not pleasant, and I'm not enjoying it at all. Um, so for me, thinking about the things that I'm grateful for, like reading that article and talking about how gratitude can help us feel mm-hmm. happier and more positive. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful for me, specifically right now. Um, I think there have been times in my life when I, you know, I've done a gratitude journal, and it's like, oh la la.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and we've talked about your bullet journal, which yes. for a long time you were really faithful about, and yes. you would write things in there that you're grateful for.
0: Yes, and that uh, is one of my favorite things. But over the last crazy six months yeah. has really faded I still carry it around with uh, me
2: but <laughs> you just don't update it
0: yeah I just don't do a lot in it so kind of reintegrating that into my life and taking that time to think about the things that I'm grateful for because I have so many things to be grateful for obviously still you know Violet got into kindergarten let's yeah. start with that <laughs> That was a two-year hellish <laughs> process. Yes, um, she's happy and she's in she, a great school. Yes. She's happy. She loves it. I, you know, fabulous. Um, obviously, I'm grateful for my stepmom and for my aunt Jean, who are kind of the the significant grown ups in mm-hmm. my life now. <laughs> yeah, um, and who have been amazing through everything. Um, so, if I actually take the time to think about those things, I think it will help me process everything and Mm -hmm. get through the next couple of months yes when it all kind of feels eh, not so great
1: yeah um well i just have to say as i have said before watching you i think you've handled this amazingly well and like it's it's amazing to me how little time you spend sort of um bemoaning how unfair it may seem that this all happened in six months. So I feel like your sort of gratitude practice has set you up well to handle this as we move forward.
0: Okay. I like that. I hope that you are correct.
1: Now, what about you, Liz? How does gratitude play out in your life? Well, I, Sarah, have a very different situation in that I feel guilty about, like, how many— Good things, or shall I say, lack of bad things. Right, (laughs) I have in my life, like on on different levels. Mm -hmm. Um, On one level, like I am so grateful, especially seeing what you've gone through. That Adam and I, all of our parents are healthy. So Jack has four healthy grandparents. Yeah, and we and uh, you know we have all of our parents, um, and they're even like there's nothing wrong with them. You know, I mean, physically they're fine, Um, and so. I'm so grateful for that, but then I also, when I see you, I feel sort of guilty, and I feel guilty for the fact that our lives, our personal lives, our professional lives are really great, and I feel like the world is so dark, Uh and there are so many bad things, and so many people are being treated unfairly, and there is so much sort of evil lurking, um... I would say on the fringe, but it's not really on the fringe. No, it's really it's not, It's really sadly. mainstream. Yeah, and no, there was like,
0: just a mass shooting not very far from where we live yeah. in L.A. There are fires raging right now. Yeah. It all feels very impending.
1: Um, And so I feel this cognitive dissonance with, yeah. like, my life versus the world. Right. Um, But having said that, you know, th- what I should do is say, and therefore that just makes me— More grateful, you know, that I have, you know, my son. Of course, the number one thing is always your child. My son is healthy and happy. My husband's healthy and happy. My family's healthy and happy. I am so grateful for that. But I almost feel like one of those people I want to hide under a table from the evil eye because I feel like (laughs) the more I sort of think about it, the more I'm inviting bad things to happen. I have kind of, I'm a bit superstitious. But
0: I would say don't waste your time feeling guilty. Mm. because it's such a gift right. to have all the things that you have right now. Like, really appreciate it, because, you know, I'm reading um, Dan Harris's book, 10% Happier, mm, yeah. and one of the things he talks about a lot is impermanence. Everything mm. is fleeting. Really enjoy the, the good things that you have in your life right now, and maybe instead of feeling uh, guilty, turn it into action to right. make those dark things in the world better.
1: Yeah, that's great advice.
0: Because there's no point in feeling guilty about the good things in your life.
1: Intellectually, I know that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. It's that thing
0: that we always say in work. This is a great moment. We need to enjoy it.
1: enjoy the victories. Yes. Because the other thing will come along at some point. Yes, and employ that
0: in your in your personal life.
1: Right, well, I'm going to make November about doing that, about okay. being just being grateful for everything I have, for the great experience we've had, and um, action instead of guilt. So I think that's fantastic advice. And then we're going to have to decide what December is. <laughs> the month of what? The month of gift giving. Yes. Just think of fun <laughs>
0: gifts to give people. Okay,
1: sounds good. <laughs>
0: Okay, up next, we'll share a Hollywood hack that encourages us all to reach out to people in tough times. But first, a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's
1: And now it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack. And Sarah, um, this came about because, as we've been discussing, you <laughs> lost both your parents this year and you have received a lot of something that's really helped you. Yes. You know, I'm going to keep this short and sweet and
0: not depressing at all um, and just say sympathy cards are a really fabulous thing. People have kind of stopped sending actual like Hallmark cards.
1: Right, condolence cards. Yes.
0: Emails and texts and all of those things are honestly wonderful. But getting a sympathy card is a really lovely thing. So my Hollywood hack is to just go to the store, get a few of them, and keep them on hand. and, And when someone you know is going through the death of a loved one, just send a card. It's like, it seems so simple and not a big deal, but it's really a lovely thing to get. So I am now a big proponent of sympathy cards and will be sending them myself from now on.
1: Good. I always think about sending them. I think about what I would say, and then I don't follow through uh, the vast, vast majority of the time. So I'm going to I'm going to try to do better.
0: But you know what's great about sympathy cards is they say everything already. Ah. And all you have to do is say thinking of you, sending love. Right. You know, maybe one like personal line Mm -hmm. about the person. But the card does the work.
1: It's it's more for me about addressing it and putting it in the mail. (laughs) Let's be honest. I I hear you. (laughs) Okay, uh, next up, we have a celebrity sighting. And Mary is going to join us because this was her sighting. It was actually sort of an assistant, a group assistant sighting yes. at the fix. Here's a hint. He's all about doing the right thing. But first, an ad break. Okay, we have our assistant, Mary Merkins, here joining us for the celebrity sighting. You had a big one on yeah. the Disney lot.
2: Yeah, so I got in a little early And I was in the office situating um, everything, and I look out the window, and I see this large uh, escalade. And um, in the back seat out comes this guy from behind, and he had these colorful tennis shoes and a crazy hat. And then he turns around, and it's Spike Lee. Wow. Yeah. That is major. And it was interesting because I
0: was randomly there early that morning, too, and there was, like, a flurry of action happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's going on <laughs> out
2: there? Well, then two of the other assistants, um, well, Werner and then Ola, the sta- one of our staff writers on The Fix, he, we all were kind of stalking him <laughs> from the window. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, we got to get out there. And so we, like— all three of us went outside and we kind of walked behind him, trying to be sly. But we Werner well, did
0: something really smart. Yeah, he immediately went to the printer or like went to the computer and
2: found a picture of Spike Lee and printed it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And Spike was on the phone, but Werner mouthed like, "Can you sign this?" Uh-huh. And he just signed <laughs> it. Spike signed it while he was on the phone, and Werner was like.
0: Heck yes. Because Werner wants to be a director. He is yeah. a director. Yes. He's building his directing credentials. Yes. Um, and so for him, it was like just like huge and amazing, and he was so excited.
1: And did Spike Lee seem nice? I mean, I guess he signed a photograph yeah. while being yeah. on the phone, which might irritate me. So if he did
2: that, <laughs> I guess he must be pretty nice. He seemed pretty patient. With us. (laughs) And I posted a
0: picture. I took a picture of Werner with the um, autograph of Spike Lee and posted it on my Instagram. So anyone who wants to see a very happy Werner with Spike Lee's autograph can go, what's my Instagram? At Asphane?
1: I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we don't know what he was doing on the lot, right? No, no he went
2: into that theater. Oh, so I don't know if he was screening something or probably. watching something. The car was there for a while. It was. Yeah, the Escalade. We just kind of watched it for a bit, but <laughs> didn't see him go back in. <laughs> okay,
1: Well, that's a good subject. <laughs> yeah. Being on the lot, you know, has its perks.
0: It sure does. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already.
1: Thank you to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. We are very grateful that is part of this podcast. Also, thanks to everybody at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to the awesome ad team at Panoply.
0: And thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. We are grateful to her every day that she's helping us manage our lives.
1: And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. I'm very grateful for her. She's my sister. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project.
0: Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job.
1: And we're grateful for it. Yes, we are. Well, you become a nutritionist? I'll become a fashion okay. A fashion designer. merchandising. Person. I love it. Not designing merchandise
0: merchant. okay on the business side.
1: yeah. okay. okay.